All right, let's take our Bibles here this morning and turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark and chapter 15. We'll take a break from our series in the book of Matthew, where we've been considering what it means to be Jesus' disciple. I look forward to getting back to that, but for the, this Sunday and next, obviously, we're going to preach in light of what Jesus did on the cross and also in light of the empty tomb and the fact that he is alive. So I look forward uh, to doing that. Good to see some folks back that haven't been for a while. Miss Betty Baker's back uh, today. That's a blessing. Been praying for Miss Betty and recovery and surgery. And then uh, others uh, today celebrating a birthday. Miss Alberta Peak celebrating a birthday. We celebrate that a little bit in the Southwest Bible class. See some family here to celebrate with her. That's a real blessing. Miss Alberta has played the piano here for over 40 years. I'd have to work to get the exact number, but that's a blessing. Thank God uh, for her and uh, the ministry that God does through her to be a blessing to all of us. That's for sure. Sure. Grateful to God for that. All right. Well, we're in Mark chapter 15 and uh, we're going to read Mark 14 and 15 on Tuesday night as a church family in observance of the Lord's Supper. And so what I like to do is, though we can't cover all those verses, I'd like to try to hit some of the high points so that as uh, Brother Benzwanger and I read, there's some understanding that comes with our reading. And so uh, that's why I've chosen this passage here even today. So let's look at verse number one. It says, And straightway in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Look at the wisdom of Jesus as he answered. And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the, that feast, that would be the feast of the Passover, by the way, preached about that last Sunday night. Now at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas. Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him. They had revolted. They had rebelled against the Roman authorities. So they're all locked up. Who had committed murder in the insurrection. So not only had they rebelled, but the, he, he particularly had committed murder in the insurrection. I'm sorry. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them saying, will ye that I release unto you the, the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him, Jesus, for envy. He knew there was an underlying motive, a hidden agenda of these chief priests. The chief priest moved the people 
that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, mob rule. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. This morning, I'd like to preach you this title. Our series is Into His Harvest. A little bit different of, a, of an approach with that series title, and I'd like to call the title of the message this, He, meaning Jesus, He reaped the harvest of our sin. He reaped the harvest of our sin. I just want you to know something very simple today and yet very profound and powerful. A man named Jesus died in your place. A man named Jesus died in your place. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God as we consider it here today. He reaped the harvest of our sin. <clears throat> as I revisited this passage, I had to wonder what was going through the mind of Barabbas while he was in prison? In fact, a lot of questions came to my mind that the Bible didn't address. Things such as, I wonder how long he'd been there. When did the occasion take place where there was an insurrection? Matthew's gospel tells us that Barabbas was a in Matthew's words, a notable prisoner. In other words, he was notorious. He was known among the people. And so they requested of Pilate that, they, that he would release Barabbas. Um, kind of hard for us to understand that. Unless we lived in that context, it would make immediate sense to us. This would be one of their guerrilla fighters. This would be one of their freedom fighters. Did he do wrong? Absolutely, he did wrong. But, but I mean, I think we have to live just a moment in their sandals to understand what was going on. Uh, we can only speculate about uh, Barabbas' past. I wondered about his family. I wonder what kind of upbringing he had. You know, I mean, here's a man that now is, has murdered another, an individual and, and he's revolting against the, the Roman authorities. I, but I wonder, you know, what kind of home did he grow up in? And, and his name Barabbas is Aramaic, which is closely associated with Hebrew. Uh, Barabbas, Bar-Abbas, uh, uh, Ben would be uh, the Hebrew term for son of. So like Ben-Hur, we recognize that son of Hur. And, and Bar-Jesus, though we know in Scripture, son of, of Jesus, a name that's used in, in, uh, in the, the book of Acts and such. But, but here it's Barabbas. Ironically, listen to this, Barabbas means son of. Bar is Aramaic, meaning son of. Abba. 
Did you ever think of that? Literally, it's this, the son of the father. The son of the father. So here is Barabbas, the son of the father. Here's your choice today. Barabbas, the son of the father, or the son of the father. Do you follow? There's a uniqueness here. There's, I don't think, coincidence here. You have Barabbas and you have, in some ways, if I could say it, Barabbas, son of the father, though. Do you follow my connection here? So you have Barabbas. I just wondered, though, what kind of home did he grow up in? And, I, I, you know, as he was taught, was he brought to the synagogue? Was, was he taught the scriptures? Was he taught about, you know, the Messiah that would come? Was he taught about how that, the, that someday that the throne of David would be reestablished, that, that we no longer be under the occupation of the Roman authorities? I mean, we got to put this in our context. This is where I had to kind of wrap my brain around this for just a moment. I wondered, what would it be like today if a foreign uh, power, another country came and, and took over America. How would you feel about that? Well, I'm American. I'm glad to be an American. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I love America. I love our city. But, but let's say some, some extremists came in and, and radicals came in. I mean, of course, in, in World War II time, maybe we could fear what if Germany comes and, and takes over, Japan comes and takes over. How would you feel about that? What, is, what if, I'm just saying, I'm just speculating. What if uh, an, is, an Islamic country came in and, and brutally took over our country? How would you feel about that? Would, would, you be, would you be willing to take up arms to defend your country? When you put it in that context, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not in any ways coming to the side of Barabbas to say, yeah, he did right. No, I, I understand that, that he committed murder. There's no justification for that. But I think we have to kind of get in the context here of what's going on, that here's this man that, that did in his mind what he thought was right. Now, John also points out that he was a robber. So let's just start feeling real good about Barabbas and like he's our freedom fighter. He's also a robber. So he's a thief. He's a murderer. He, he's an insurrectionist. Uh, he's, he's revolting against the government. He took up arms to fight that way, and he's provoking others. Probably what was happening is that these, he's most likely the ringleader of this group that was, and others, the Bible tells us here in the, in the Gospel of Mark that there was others that were there in the prison with him, and, and he most likely, and they had caused some trouble from Rome out on the outskirts of Judea, but it, it, they crossed the line when they killed a man. He killed a man. That was somebody's son. That was somebody's spouse. Perhaps somebody's dad. He killed a man. I wonder if Barabbas spent some time thinking about that in prison. I would imagine he was dreading his future. Knowing that as things go in Rome and under the Roman Empire, his days were numbered. I wonder how many scuffles he'd been in since he'd been in prison. I wonder what the conditions were like. I guarantee you'd be glad to check in here at the Oklahoma County Jail compared to what he was coming from. Nasty living conditions, terrible meals. How many people had he hurt? The time that he was missing with his family, the misery that had come to his life. I'm, I'm just saying to you today, 
here's a man. And, and I, I wonder, I don't, I don't know, I've heard others say this and I didn't take the time to validate. I'm totally speculating here, but I wonder how close in proximity was he to Pilate and, all, and the mob that was gathered there outside the palace. I mean, Jerusalem is, 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 you know, a relatively small area and they would have flooded in there because of the Passover. So, I mean, we're talking about all kinds of, of people, a multitude of people that were gathered there. And, and, and no doubt there was a, there was a, a, a loudness about this mob as they were, as they were coming to Pilate early in the morning to demand that they would, that he would release a man into them. And, and maybe I'm just, I'm just totally speculating. Are you following me right here? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about this. I'm just thinking about Barabbas locked up in this jail cell there somewhere within Jerusalem, but maybe within, within at least the distance to where he could hear them saying, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then the next thing he heard was this, let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. Now I just wonder, I wonder if he thought, here it is. They're coming for me. <laughs> and he hears the door rattle. And the chains to the gate rattle. Can you imagine the fear and trepidation that's coming over his mind? He knows who he is. He knows what he's done. Can you imagine the surprise? It comes to this man, Barabbas, when they say to him, Barabbas, you're free to go. A man named Jesus will die today in your place. Barabbas, you can go home. He's going to the cross. Barabbas, you're released. He's bound. You go with not one stripe on your back, he goes scourged. Ironically, the sentence that Barabbas had on him, insurrectionist, riot, rioter, inciting a riot, whatever, whatever label was given to him, whatever, whatever uh, court was held and they identified, here is a rebel, here is a revolutionary. They take that exact title and they put it on a man who never once started a revolt. And here I'm pointing now to Barabbas. Here is a convicted murderer, an insurrectionist. And, and here they are saying that Jesus started a rebellion against Rome and he never did. I'm telling you today, Jesus died in that man's place. He died with what was on him, on his record. Hang, hang on just a minute. We're going to go somewhere with this. I'm starting here because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. But you need to know this today, that he took the record that was on Barabbas, the record that was on him, they put on Jesus. And a man named Jesus died in Barabbas' place. What's your label today? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You lied. You stolen. 
committed adultery, have you committed fornication, have you looked upon someone with lust, have you taken God's name in vain, have you put anything before God? And friend, listen, if you said yes to even just one of those, which I hope you're being honest today in your mind today and you're saying yes where it applies. And what we're all acknowledging here is I stand actually, you're like right here beside Barabbas saying, I actually deserve this. He doesn't. I'm pointing to Jesus, the Son of God who never sinned, never lied, never stole, never took God's name in vain, never murdered, never committed adultery, never had a wicked thought, never had a lustful thought, never coveted, never, never did anything wrong, let alone rebellion, insurrection in the, in the Roman society, never once. And yet he died on a Roman cross. Why? He reaped the harvest of our sin. The, the Bible tells us much about the political and the social scene that was behind all this. You, you have many things that are at work here that I think we need to understand historically, and I think socially that we really need to understand that, that is in the background that led to his crucifixion. But, but the bigger context is, is spiritual, and the reason as to why he died today has everything to do with our spiritual condition, not a political condition. Are you following me today? It's not a political condition. It's not a social condition. He was not a martyr. That's not why Jesus died. No, he was not not just a religious teacher. Friend, listen, he was indeed the son of God. And the Jews said, you say you're the son of God and basically you're making yourself equal with God. That's what they said in, in John chapter number, chapter number eight and chapter number 10. They identified that if you say you're a son of God, you're saying you are God and that's blasphemy. But listen, hang on just a minute. They knew this. They knew, they, I'm, I'm saying they, the chief priests, the scribes, the religious, the religious leaders of that day, they knew that they could not murder Jesus. They knew that Rome was the only one that had authority to execute him, but they also knew this, Rome will not execute a man for blasphemy, but they will execute a man for treason, revolting against the government, saying there's another king other than, than, than uh, the emperor, saying that, then that that will cause you to lose your life. Jesus had met with his disciples in the upper room and told them exactly what was going to happen. I'm saying to you, friend, listen, none of this took Jesus by surprise. He knew exactly what was coming and, and he took his disciples and observed what we know as the Lord's Supper that we will observe to, uh, on Tuesday night together as a church family. And he took the elements of the Passover and he gave them heightened significance and he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave each of them bread representing his body that would be broken for them. And every one of them received of that and he took the cup and he said, this is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for all of mankind. And, and this do in remembrance of me, it would not give them salvation. It would remind them. And it is to remind us of how it is that we could trust Christ as our savior and what it meant to be saved. And so he explained that to them. And then they went into the garden. Are you following me here? I want to take us through a little bit of Mark chapter 14 here for just a moment. And he took them to the garden of Gethsemane where, where he told them to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation something serious is coming and so when something serious is coming Jesus tells his disciples you need to be alert to this and you need to pray and they dozed off you ever go to sleep praying wake up about an hour later kneeling at your chair come on I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's been an hour but I've certainly woke up a few times having prayed the flesh is weak 
He woke him up and, and told him, you know, to pray, to watch and pray, and the, they fell asleep again. He woke him up the third time. I did this three times. Why? Because our flesh is weak. I'm telling you, your, your flesh and my flesh is weak. That's why we need God's grace. By the way, Mark is writing to believers that were under persecution. He's writing to believers that were experiencing persecution because of their faith. And, and something was happening in, in Jesus' time. And with Peter and those, as they were sleeping, things were moving. And the Bible says that after Jesus woke them, that immediately Judas and the guards were there to take Jesus away. I'm telling you, while the church was sleeping, things were moving behind the scenes. I wonder today... If while churches have been sleeping in America, the enemy has been moving behind the scenes and if there's not an agenda that's been moving behind the scenes and if some things are not shaping up, well, that ought to be a wake-up call to you and I or you listen to me here this morning trying to help us along the way, that, that, that it's a wake-up call for us as believers. Listen, I'm telling you, it's getting serious in America to be a, a Christian. It's getting serious in America. We better watch and pray. Otherwise, we're not going to make it through the time of temptation or trial. He woke him up and told them that, that the, he that has betrayed me is at hand. And, and Judas came and the guards came and they delivered him into the, to the chief priest. Listen, the people that were supposed to be caring for the spiritual well-being of the people were trying to remove Jesus and his influence from society. Governmental officials such as Pilate and, and others, Herod, that were supposed to be caring for the well-being of the people were trying to remove Jesus from that society. Hang on, I, I can't help but just stop here along the way as well. There's a few places we're just going to pull off in the journey and, and make a point here that, that those that are supposed to be caring for the well-being of the people have misunderstood or not understood who Jesus is and essentially have tried to remove his influence from our country. Same thing's taking place today. He stood there innocent, accused him of many things, treason. And that's why Pilate said, art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered in a, in a very wise way. You're not surprised. He answered in a way that said, I am the king of the Jews, but I'm not like it is how they're saying it. And I'm not like what you think I am. Because in Pilate's mind, if you're saying you're king, then you're trying to overthrow the Roman government and I'm going to have to deal with you. The Jews were accusing him of that purposefully because they were delivering him up for envy. They were envious. They were jealous of the attention that was coming to Jesus because here's this new rabbi that's on the scene and he's just 30 some years old and he's taking away all the people and their popular, the popularity was waning. And, and so they had to do something to get the people back on their side. Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus said, thou sayest it. Now, John goes more into that. We don't have time this morning necessarily to go into all that the gospel of John explains when he has this interaction with Pilate. It's quite intriguing, the interaction between Pilate, the governor of that area of Judea, but which, by the way, he didn't like the Jews. He was a brutal man. And he was not trying to deliver Jesus because he cared about Jesus. He just saw through what they were trying to do. Jesus stood there and, and said that thou sayest it, and he interacted with him about, about that. And, and, and so now the, the label of treason is being put on Jesus, who was innocent. You see, Pilate made the wrong decision. 
He didn't do right because he was listening to the wrong people. He didn't do right because he was listening to the wrong people. Well, the final decision rested with him. But he could listen to people. I'm, I'm saying to you today, you're going to hear a lot of voices from culture, from quote-unquote religious leaders. But ultimately, the decision about what you do with Jesus, it rests with you. Let me encourage you here today. If you're going to do what's right, you can't listen to the crowd. That's right. That's right. You see, um, Pilate was a politician, not a statesman. William Wilberforce, when he went into it, as he started out, he was a politician. Literally, in their time, they could pay people to vote for him. Well, But then William Wilberforce got saved. And he went from being a politician to being a statesman. You know the need of our day and time? And some people that are saved and know the Lord that won't be a Christian just because it kind of gets a popular vote. We need some statesmen today that will say, I'm going to do what's right regardless of what popular opinion is. We need people that are in governmental places that would do that. We, we need people that will serve. I, I have a pastor friend. We know uh, Brother Philip Rizzo. He's, he's preached as part of the church planning conference. He's, he's pastored in New Jersey. He grew up in New Jersey. He's a New Jerseyan. And I mean, he's, he's the authentic real deal. I mean, you just listen to him a little while and you'll know. He grew up uh, doing real estate and other things, business and such. But he, he's taken a temporary leave of absence from his role, even as pastor, to step into to run for governor because of, of what's going on in New Jersey as the government is overreaching. You could go there. I'm not, I'm not here to, to talk about that, but it's certainly there. But may God help us to have some people that will stand in places of position and not go to their head, but that would stand in some places of position because of who they are as a believer that would be a statesman, not a politician. But we need some pastors that'll do the same thing and not, not try to lead churches just where churches want to go and kind of go with the culture. There's a lot of that going on that I wonder what kind of music the people want. I wonder what kind of Bible the people want. I wonder what kind of church scene the people want. I wonder if they'd like to have a theater rather than a church looking building. I, I wonder what kind of pulpit that they want. I wonder what kind of songs that they'd like. Hey, listen, we're not here to put our proverbial finger in the air to try to figure out what kind of church that we ought to be. No, listen, friend, we need to stand on the word of God and know that that is sure ground and whether it's popular or not and not be mean-spirited about it, not be harsh about it, but nonetheless, not to, not to in any ways to compromise, but to say by the grace of God, I want to be the believer, the Christian, the church member, the pastor that ought to be in this day and time. Hey, listen, church, the time has come that we wake up from a stupor. We're not just going through motions. We're not going through habits here. Listen, we are in an intense battle and we need to pray like our Savior prayed. Father, thy will be done, not mine. Even as a parent, you better not go with what's popular. 
It's easy to let a two-foot-tall person tell you what to do. You listen to me? Or a junior high size person tell you what to do and they're starting to get about your height now? That's intimidating. <laughs> no. Parents, um, look, I'm just, I'm just shooting straight with you today because I, I don't know what else to do except just be real with you. To say, look, you, you can't leave it up to your teenager to figure out what kind of video games they're going to play or what movie you're going to watch or what music you're going to listen to. If we, if we go with just whatever our kids or society wants, it's mob rule. And when did the mob get it right? Right? I mean, look who they were promoting. Give us Barabbas, a murderer, a robber, a thief, somebody that was troubling society. You know, I, by the way, Peter even thought about going that route. As they were in the garden, Peter, who loved the Lord, drew out his sword and went to cutting. And he cut off a man's ear. You think he was aiming for his ear? No. He missed. He's a fisherman. I guarantee if he was casting a net, he could have landed it just where he wanted. But he was, he was wielding a sword. Um, and Jesus didn't tell us to take up the sword. As believers, realize as a nation, there's a time when we have to stand up. Are you following what I'm saying? the social, the political scene that was behind it. Pilate's wife tried to tell him, listen, don't have anything to do with this man. Talking about Jesus, because I had some bad dreams about him. And, and Pilate said, Wait, where are you from? <laughs> don't you know, I'm, I'm speaking as Pilate, don't you know I have power to crucify you? You could have no power except it was given to you. Who would you that I release unto you? And the mob chanted, give us Barabbas, 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 Barabbas. What will you that I do with Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him. Hey, listen, friend, don't think if you were in that crowd, you would have said something different. His disciples fled. What will you do when the pressure's on? In many ways, we cycle back through these things. Different names, different titles, different scenarios, different situations, but much of the same thing. You know why? Because man's as he always has been in the heart. I'm so thankful today, though, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, still loves those even that ran away from him. He still loved Peter, even though he denied him. He still loved James and John and all the others, even though they fled. He loved Mark, even though he fled. He, he, he loved all, even those that turned his back on him. I'm so thankful that Jesus' love for us is consistent today. He reaped the harvest, though, of our sin. You see, the Bible talks about how that you, you sow iniquity and you reap the whirlwind. Are you following me? 
There's so many verses that, that talk about how that, that what you sow, in fact, in Ezekiel, I did some reading today, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to have us turn to all these passages, but you look in Ezekiel chapter number 18, and it says this, that the, that the fathers would not be put to death for, their, for the, the sins of their sons, nor would the sons be put to death for the sins of the fathers. No, but every person will give account essentially for their own sin. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Every one of us have sinned. We've already admitted that to collectively today. You said, I don't remember doing that. Yes, you did. We've all admitted collectively that we've sinned against God and thus we deserve, we deserve separation from God. That's what we've sowed. Many people try to sow their wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. But it doesn't work that way. The book of Galatians says it this way. God is not mocked. You, you will not outwit God. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap, the Bible says, corruption. On the flip side of that, in a positive way. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. In other words, you reap what you sow. You sow fornication, you re reap the results of fornication. You sow pornography, you re reap the results of pornography. You sow a life of alcohol or smoking or drugs or, or violence, you reap the consequences of that. You lie, you reap the consequences of that. You steal, you reap the consequences of that. Listen, it is a law of sin and death in our members. You're not going to get around that any more than you're going to get around the law of gravity. Accept. <laughs> All have sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. The wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He, the sinless Son of God, He who knew no sin, became sin for us. The label that you have, sinner, in Barabbas' case, it was insurrectionist. It was taken and put on Jesus, who was not a, a, a rebel, he, but he was labeled that way. But watch this, your sin, whatever it is, all of our sin, our sin was taken and put on the Lord Jesus and he died as your substitute. He died as my substitute. Praise be to his holy name. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you, friend. He died for you. He took your place. What you were supposed to reap, he reaped. He reaped the harvest of our sin. He was punished that we might go free. He experienced death that we might have life. He took the crown of thorns. We get the crown of life. Are you following what I'm saying to you here today? It's amazing. In fact, maybe John Newton, no, no, not maybe. For sure he got it right. Amazing grace. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Because there's none good, no, not one. Today, you need to know this. A man named Jesus died in your place. 
Maybe you've never experienced a jail cell. Maybe you've never experienced anything like that, but no doubt you've experienced this, the regret and the remorse over sin. The guilt, the shame, the hurt lives, the hurt people because of your sin. I'm glad to tell you today, in the midst of all that bad news, there's good news. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He reaped the harvest of your sin. But you need to know this as well. Just because he died for all does not mean that all are saved automatically. That's why it is a whosoever will gospel. That whosoever will, whosoever make, that shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know my past. I don't, but he does. And he so loved you that he's gave his life for you. A man who was not just a man, but the God-man, Jesus, literally died in your place that you might go free. It occurred to me that even though Barabbas was set free physically, he also had to be set free spiritually. He had to trust the Lord as his Savior. How sad that somebody within the sound of my voice today could hear the good news of the gospel and know that Jesus died for them, that he was buried and rose again, and yet still be holding on to the religious tradition or the religious works or the hope that God will just kind of let me in. Friend, listen, you've got to come by the way of the cross and trust him as your Savior. He died for you. Let's stand together here today. A man named Jesus died in your place. What a bitter harvest. What a bitter cup he received on your behalf. Today, let me ask each and every one of you to evaluate where you stand with God today. And I think the best way I could ask you would simply be this. If you died at this very moment, do you know 100% for sure that you would die and go to heaven? The Bible teaches that you can know that. Do you know for sure? If today with every, every head bowed, some are moving and coming to be baptized, that's fine. If you're coming to be baptized today, certainly make your way to do so. But if today you know for sure that if you died, that heaven is your home because you trusted what Jesus did, you trusted who he is and what he did to save you. You repented of your sin, turning to him and him alone for salvation. And you know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Would you just mind to raise your hand to that? Yes, I do. I give testimony, public testimony with just even head bows just to give privacy this moment. I know that for sure. Thank you. You may put your hand down. I praise the Lord today. So many raised their hands saying, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. That means somebody shared this good news with you and you believed. You trusted. Is there anyone here today that you know that you're a sinner, but there's not been a time in your life when you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you're concerned about that. If you died today, you don't know for sure.
or you'd spend eternity. A man named Jesus who came from heaven, the eternal God died in your place, friend, that you might be saved. But if you die today and you don't have that assurance, would you just raise your hand just a moment while I look around the auditorium? I'm not going to have anybody come to where you are, but I just, we're concerned about where you're going to spend eternity. That's why I'm asking you this, this here publicly today. If you die today and you don't know that for sure, but you'd like to know, would you just raise your hand, raise it high so that I could see if that's describing you today? I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not asking if you're a church member, if you've been baptized. I'm not asking any of that. I'm asking if you know 100% for sure. Is there anybody like that that say, preacher, pray for me? I don't know for sure. I'm concerned. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty there. Yes, sir. Thank you. We're going to have an invitation. I, there may be somebody I'm over, I've overlooked, but we're going to have an invitation. There's men here, that, <clears throat> pardon me, that have a Bible. There's ladies that have a Bible. And what we'd like to do is invite you to come. I know it can be intimidating in a crowd, but let me assure you of this. You're in, a, you're in a church that loves you even though they don't know you because we love people that need the Lord. And today we want to encourage you just to step out from where you are, ask somebody to come with you, come from the balcony, come from the, the pews here and come to the front. Let somebody take a Bible. We have rooms here to the side where you could just sit down with somebody in a Bible and they can show you for sure how you can know that when you die that you'd go to heaven, that your sins are forgiven, that you're free. Would you like to do that? We'd love for you to come and do so. Believers, I believe we need to hear the words of our Savior as He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. There are things at work that we don't understand, but that He does, He knows. And we need to be spiritually in a place that He wants us to be. And if today that's, that's what you're concerned about, maybe you should just come and pray and say, Lord, I needed the reminder today. First of all, I want to thank you for, for tasting that bitter harvest for me. He tasted death for every man. And Lord, you, you tasted that for me. I thank you for it. Help me live for you. Dear Father, I pray now in this invitation time that you'd help. It is our earnest prayer that, Lord, you would be glorified. That God... Um, You'd help those that are lost to come and trust you as their Savior. I pray for those that are saved that, God, it might be a time of spiritual renewal in their life, Lord. Thank you for willingly taking our place. In Jesus' name, amen.